0: Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. And people can sense it because it's on you. If someone's happy and full of joy and just happy-go-lucky type of person, he walks into the room, you'll sense his presence. It can change the atmosphere of the room. You can change it for good or you can change it for bad. But you carry a presence. Imagine God's presence. What does he carry? Because I want us to, when I talk about this, I don't want us just to think, okay, Leah's talking about when we come to church, when we experience God's presence. Yes, that's a part of, because this is in our togetherness, we get to experience God. And that's the whole purpose of coming to, to church, is to experience God's presence. is to seek His face, to worship Him, and to hear from Him. Now that's, that's, there is the purpose of the ecclesia, the called out ones, why we gather. But it's not... Filter. I don't want you just to filter this message through. Oh, Leah's talking about in the the, on Sunday. We're going to. Yes, but it's every everywhere every day, everywhere every day when you get up tomorrow morning. How do we experience God's presence? What is God's presence? The well, Galatians, Galatians chapter five verse twenty-two tells us. Just so that you know, the how do we know that what is God's presence? Galatians five twenty two. But the fruit of the spirit, you, the spirit is presence. The fruit of God's presence is love. If you're not walking in love, and you start to be drained of love, and you start to fall into a little bit of um, selfishness, and you know it's all about you, and everything becomes you personal. And uh, if you lack this unconditional love of God, love, then it's joy. This is the fruit of God's presence is walking in joy, guys. This is this is our uh, what do you call it? a meet, uh, When you check the the speed meter, um, f- huh? Yeah, that one. It's too hard to say. I won't even say it. It's your gauge. It's your gauge. How do I know if I'm in His presence? Well, how much, do I have joy? Because the Bible says in the presence of God, there's fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore. So if I lack joy, the fruit of His presence, that's the fruit. If I'm walking in His presence, I'm going to have joy. So it's a good test to say, hey, if I'm not walking in joy, there's something wrong. I need to get back into His presence. I need to, I need to seek Him. I need to be in His Word. I need to be in His presence. Joy, peace, anxiety and stress and worry. If that overtakes you, and that becomes you, and that you become full of anxiety, worry, and stress. Then you're not experiencing the presence on an everyday basis. So love, joy, peace, long suffering, patience. You know, whenever you you know get short tempered and a bit short wicked, and sometimes I get a, a little bit rough around the edges, and 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 realize I need to be in His presence. I need to let His presence melt me. Love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, kindness. The word meekness is actually humility, self-control. This is the fruit of being in His presence. When you think about all those things, actually, it's the greatest thing you could ever uh, pursue. It's a value to walk in the love of God, to be loved. starts there. To be loved by God, to receive His joy. The reason why it's a fruit of joy is because God's joyous Father. He's joyous. God's a joyous, He's full of joy. God doesn't have a depressed thoughts on, on the throne. He doesn't think, oh no, is Russia really going to attack Ukraine? Oh no, what's going to happen if they do? It doesn't have that depression or anxiety or worry or stress. So I, I want to talk about different things that we need to work on. I probably want to get through all of them. But, but work on so that we can live in the presence all the time. That's what I mean by practicing the presence, just all the time. So if, it, what I'm trying to show, I said, if we allow unforgiveness, if we allow bitterness, if we allow anxiety, stress, worry, fears of this world, if we allow that to grip our hearts and overcome us, then you're not going to be able to experience the presence of God Will. Because the fruit of the presence is love, joy, peace. How am I supposed to know these things? So we're not talking about just visitation, but habitation. So we can have visitation on Sunday and then not, not have habitation during the week. I really believe God wants us to have habitation all the time. Where you're walking, Lucas talking about walking at a petrol station and there's, there's such a habitation, you just pray for someone, they get healed. It's an overflow. You tell someone about the love of Jesus. And, and the river from the throne, you know the river from Ezekiel 47, there's a river that flows from the throne, that's also in the book of Revelation. flows from the throne, goes down the middle of the, the city of the city of God. And on either side of the you know, river there's trees of life and healing for the nations. That river represents the life of God. Sometimes we just see the river as the spirit of God. and we just see this, the river as the spirit uh, manifestations. And when there's a church, you know, people say I'm a uh, some churches say we have a river church, it's because they think that they're a river church because it's all manifestations. But that river is the life of God. I can walk down the street and tell someone about the love of Jesus. You can too. And if it if grips their hearts and they open up and you're able to share the love of Jesus and the gospel of Jesus. And they get touched and they start weeping and maybe crying and accept salvation. And what happened? The river touched them. I didn't pray for them. The words, just words melted their hearts. And just words made them feel loved. Just words can make them feel convicted and accept Christ and what happened? The river, because the river is also words. It's spirit and word. It's presence and word. Your words carry presence. Jesus says, my words, they are spirit and they are life. Amen. See, I just want, I want us to help us see, okay, it means carrying the presence everywhere we go. It means I'm not, you know, if someone does hurt me, I'm quick to forgive. I'm carrying the presence. I'm walking in the presence. If something bad happens and tests my faith, I'm going to walk in faith and not walk in fear. I'm walking in the presence. It's, it's, it's this habitation. When you're cleaning at the house, when you're working at, at work, you can, you can wash the dishes and experience His presence. Did you know that? If we get, we, we get this spiritual mode, yes, it's good to go in the closet. I believe we should go in the closet and shut everything off and just spend time with God. But it's, the purpose of spending time with God isn't to say, okay, goodbye, Lord. Okay, that was a great conversation. It was so amazing. See you, Lord. And then we, we shut the door on Him and we do our life, our own strength. That wasn't the purpose of that. The purpose of that was to have him abide in us. He who abides under the shadow of the Almighty. He who abides, not he who visits the shadow of the Almighty, he who abides there. So we've got to learn. I, I, I do believe we're a culture that does, doesn't know how to habitate, doesn't know how to stay there, because we think the presence is only when I feel him in my emotions. And we we start saying, now that I love feeling God, I feel God a lot. I I weep a lot. And so when I weep, I love it. I welcome it. But if I don't feel God in my emotions and I'm not weeping, I can feel His presence in my spirit. I can feel His peace. And I can sense Him even though I'm not weeping, crying, and my emotions aren't with it, if that makes sense. I personally believe um, it's really, really good for all of us. Please hear my heart. And it might take you some time to get there. To experience God's presence, times in your life, spirit, soul, and body, where you are overcome with God. You're just so loved by Him that you do weep and you do cry. So it's like you're so focused, and it happens in in praise and worship, and you're so focused in God's presence. The highest times I've been close to God is when I have made a decision to focus and worship and praise and give all my attention. What's happening, I'm bringing all my thoughts, all my attention, all my emotions, all my focus to Him and His beauty and His wonder, how wonderful He is, and praise, praise, worship. It might take an hour or two, and as I'm in His presence, I just get overcome, and I can be weeping, crying, but every part of my thoughts, emotions, feelings, spirit, everything, mind, attitude, gets soaked by Him, and I experience Him. It's good to do that. It's good to be in that. I encourage you, if you haven't done that, turn the world off, put some worship on, get on your lounge, lie down, and just let Him love on you. How do I do that, Leo? Believe every word He says. If He says you're completely forgiven, just stay there. God, I'm you. I'm forgiven, I'm completely forgiven. I have peace with God. I believe that, see? thank God. I'm one with you. You're in me right now. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. I believe the gospel. And I experience, my whole being can experience and encounter his presence. The reason reason why some of us don't go after God, don't pursue him. You know, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things of the world that the Gentiles seek after after will come to you. Uh, the number one reason is you don't realize and I don't realize that the goodness of God. You don't know how good He is. I don't know how good He is. If I saw how good He is, I'd continually, completely, 100% of my life pursue Him. But sometimes we fall out of that revelation of seeing how good He is. What do I mean by that? You can say, you know, we know to spend time with God, but sometimes you say, I'm with, I'm, I've been too busy to spend time with God. Oh, you don't know my life, Lee. I'm so, so flat out. I'm busy, busy with work, busy with this. My business is going off and, and busy with children. Busy with, I'm such busy, busy. And so it's a priority, not a busyness issue. I heard Daniel Kalenda and um, Michael Kalinas and, and Eric Gilmore having a conversation on YouTube. And they were saying, uh, Daniel said, if I said to you, he's taken over Ryan Hardbocky's ministry. If I said to you, I'd give you a million dollars at the end of the week. If you spend two hours a day, actually, I'll give you a million dollars at the end of the year, one whole year. If you spend two hours a day, every day with the Lord, and I'll give you a million dollars at the end of the year, guess what? Would you do it? Now, be real with this. Be real. Don't be religious. A million dollars. If you spend two hours a day, what's that? It's reward. In your mind, go, oh, that's that's a reward there. I will prioritize my life and make sure I spend time with God because I'm going to be blessed with a million dollars at the end of the year. Every single one of you, if you really believe that promise, you'd actually do it. I believe that you would. I would, right? What am I saying? Look, Hebrews 11 verse 6. But without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he that comes to God must believe that He is, that He exists. There's faith there. And that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. That We've got to believe that God is a good God and He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Abraham told God in Genesis... Um, Genesis, uh, da, 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 where is it? Got all the scriptures here, but <clears throat> pretty sure I wrote it down. Um, Genesis, I think it's 16. Or, he said to the Lord, What are you going to give me uh, without an heir? And so on. And, and the Lord says, I myself am your exceedingly great reward. Now think about that for a second. What, what's the reward of seeking God? It's his presence, it's himself. Are you telling me a million dollars is better than himself? A million dollars doesn't compare to how good God is. doesn't even compare. How could we even even use this example? Jesus says, what does it gain a man if he gains the whole world and he loses his own soul in the process? He's he's saying that because some people have, have deceived themselves to believe that the world is going to satisfy them. So they give up. The pursuit of God, it doesn't even compare. The world doesn't even compare to God. But Jesus is trying to say, if you gain the whole world, you gain billions of dollars, you gain status, you gain power, you gain whatever the world can give you, but you lose your own soul. How does it profit you? Are we, you know what I'm saying? Like, we just don't know how good God is. We really don't. Jesus tried to explain it to the people when he was on the earth. He goes, what can I compare the kingdom of God like? What should I compare it with? It's like a man who found a pearl of great price in a, in a property, in a land. And so out of joy, because this pearl of great price, let's say it's worth $100 million. He's so excited about this land that's got this pearl of great price. The Bible says out of joy, he runs and sells everything he's got. Because everything he's got doesn't compare to the pearl. The pearl is greater value than all that he owns. Jesus is trying to say something about the kingdom if you see the value of God and His re- and presence and His kingdom, you will be willing to sell everything you've got to buy the pearl of great price out of joy. He's trying to show us God is so good. He's worthy of our pursuit. He really is. When you see how amazing He is, He's good. But we have to experience His goodness, I suppose. I didn't know that. When I was at age of 19, I gave my life to the Lord. I gave up a lot of stuff, yes. In the world, my mates, my friends, they thought, Leo, he's gone crazy. He's left, he's left his fashion designing career. I had, had op- opportunities. He was a break dancer, nightclubs, this and that. And, and I just gave it up. Why? Because I had a faith that God is way better. Having God in my life is way better than all this. Now, in the natural, it looks stupid and doesn't make sense. Because that, that equates to money and wealth and all this stuff. And I gave it up. Why? Because God is better than anything like that. And now, after 30-something years of walking with Him, I have seen with my eyes. I've heard with my ears. I've tasted, I've experienced how good God is. I've lived it. What does the Bible say? No eye has seen, no ear has heard the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. But He has revealed it by His Spirit. You can know it by the Spirit. Again, if you pursue and seek, say, God, show me how good you are. Show me how loving you are. When we get to heaven, we're all going to be blown away how good God is. He cares about every one of us. That Jesus is preparing even mansion for us. I mean, what? Building a particular mansion, just the same, the taste, everything you like in a, in a design, in a house, Jesus is building it for you. That blows our brain how good he is. Our Father is amazing. Why am I saying that? If you don't see how good he is, you won't pursue him. Your priorities will be out of whack. My priorities will be out of whack, and I won't pay a price. That's what it means to pay the price. I won't pay a price, which means letting go of stuff, because he's way better. You've got to know he's way better. Whatever you give up, we can't even call it sacrifice. I know we do, because in a sense, it's sacrifice in the natural of what, what this could have given us. But if the king of England or the queen of England wrote you a letter and says, well, I, I, I request your presence at, at, at um, Buckingham Palace. You don't go, oh, what a sacrifice. I've got to get my clothes, I've got to dress, dressed, I've got to catch my airplane, i got to go all the way there just to see the Queen. Now you say, wow, what an honor. I've been asked by the Queen to, for this, engage, this party that they're having. You'd feel it's an honor. You won't think of how much more the King of the universe who invites us into His presence every day. I can't drive this point hard enough because we have to know the goodness of God. We have to be convinced that God is good. God has blessed, Christine and I and our family, beyond our wildest dreams. And you know what? Because we continue following Him, He's going to continually bless us that way. And what's the greatest blessing is His presence. So that, was, that was, has to be there, right there. You have to see the Lord as being good, beyond your wildest dreams. That He can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I could ever ask, think, or imagine. According to the power that works within me, I can ask and think some pretty big things. You can too. But God is able to do even greater than that, exceedingly abundantly above that. Why? Because He's good. He's just so good. We can talk about heaven for the next year, every single Sunday, and, and explain how good God is. The city of God. That's a real city that you and I will be living in. Streets of gold, pure gold, that is transparent. The foundation, the 12 foundations, they're all emeralds and jaspers and all different types of beautiful, just magnificent, beyond our comprehension. This is how God is, how good our Father is. Number two, if you're going to count them, there's about 10 of them, but um, is dying to self. Dying to self. I can't explain it any other way, but really, like which Paul spoke about dying daily. And um, John, in the book of Revelations, we read it last week, when he saw Jesus full of glory, remember that? Jesus' face was shining brighter than the sun, and and his eyes were flames of fire, and his, you know, remember, he had his legs were like bronze burning in the fire, glowing, and his sword was coming out of his mouth like a double-edged sword, and when he spoke, it was like thunder, thundering, and John, in Chapter 1, verse 17, the book of Revelation says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. When you see the glory of God, you're just undone. I don't know how to explain it any other way, but you just melt because of his glory. You think the sun's powerful? Try to look at the sun for, for 10 seconds. You can't. You'll hurt your eyes. Don't do it. But how God created the sun. Our God spoke the sun into existence. Our God, the glory on, on Jesus is shining brighter than the sunlight. Imagine him standing in your room and full of glory. What do you do? You just like a dead man. It's a picture of dying. But Jesus takes him at his right hand and lifts him up and, and starts showing him heaven and showing, showing the things to, for the book of Revelations to speak to us, this generation. Pain, you know, like dying to self it's dying to your flesh, it's dying to your pride, it's dying to your selfishness, dying to your selfish ambition, to your insecurities, to your hurt, Die to your plans, to your thoughts. Like there's every single one of us here have got completely different things to die dive to. You know that. It's such a unique, loving relationship that what I have to die to, what I have to let go of is different to you. And in a year's time, it's going to be different than what it was a year ago for me. Every single moment, it's something different that I have to let go of. It's, You know what I mean? It's sin. It's selfishness. There's all the things. It's what my flesh wants. It could be comfort. It could be, you know, it's nothing wrong with comfort, but I just want to rest now. But God saying, no, come spend time with me. But I want to sleep, Lord. It's winter. I love it. It's so nice. I don't want to get up. You know, it, it, it means, okay, I'm going to get up even though I don't want to. My flesh is screaming out, stay in bed. It's warm. It's beautiful. It's freezing out there. All these things. If God asks you to fast, it's, it's okay, now I'm not going to eat food. Your flesh wants to eat food, but you, you make, it's dying to self as you obey the Lord. Not religion. Don't put these rules and regulations on yourself, striven, like striving in the flesh. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking out of love, you're following Him. So there will be a, a dying to self. It, it really is really, really important. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 Galatians 2. I put it in my phone and it's not come up in my iPad. And that's what I realized. Because usually it connects. I am crucified. This is Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Everything's by the faith of the Son of God. Who loved me, because he loved me, I'm obeying him and gave himself for me. Isn't that beautiful? Galatians chapter 2. Dead to self. Some of you don't know this you know, book, that, uh, a vision that Rick Joyner had many years ago, and he wrote a book on it, The Final Quest. We talked about the mountain of the Lord as a spiritual mountain, where the bottom mountain was salvation and, and then sanctification. Every single level they had to climb, they got away from the enemy's attacks and the arrows. And down the bottom, they were getting attacked. And by the time they got to the mountain of the Lord, right where the presence of God was, they could see the enemy. They, could, they can hit him with arrows. They had the sword, and they could see clearly and everything. And up in the mountain of the Lord, guess what it was called? Jesus called it Galatians 2.20. That you no longer live, but Christ lives in you. It's that place of you're dead. Your flesh is dead and Christ is alive. I know whenever I've been in that place, the most I've felt God's presence is when I'm completely yielded and surrendered and saying, Lord, it's all you, none of me. It's in that beautiful, sweet surrender, isn't it? Totally, Totally letting go. Complete trust in God's Word, God's plan for your life. Next one is paying the price which is similar to seeing the goodness of God. Once you see the goodness of God, you're willing to pay the price. But there's always a price to pay. But again, the price isn't hard to pay when you see the goodness of God. Like I've said this many times before. If you knew that you had $10 billion worth of gold bullion in your backyard, let's say you've got a couple of acres. It's somewhere dug underneath 20, 30 feet, but it's there for sure. Now, what would you do to get it out? Come on. Really, there's $10 billion worth of gold bullion. What would you do? There's a lot of things I'd do. Uh, first thing I'd do is start digging, yeah. But I find I'd probably invest in a gold, uh, one of those metal finders, make sure I find where the metal is, and i will get tractors, i will get lights. I'd, I'd do whatever it takes to make the whole, find where the gold is. But what I'd do, i am paying the price. Would it be a price to pay? No. The reward's $10 billion. It's, again, this motivation. When you see how good he is, you're willing to pay the price. This is what to hold people back. Especially in the Western world, because the Western world's got comforts everywhere. And so we're letting go of the comforts to pursue Him spiritually. But then the blessings come, becomes way greater than the comforts you let go of. Does that make sense? So paying the price. Number four is knowing your identity, or what I would like to say, clothed in righteousness. Spoke about it a little bit just earlier, but to know your righteousness is in Christ. This is vital. This is something you'll learn for the rest of your life. In fact, when we get to heaven, we'll learn more about Him all the days of eternity. That's how how eternal this gospel is. It's unsearchable riches of Christ. Ephesians says, "You're not going to get to heaven. Go! I've worked it all out. I know everything about the, the search. The, you know, like it's not going to be searchable. Like it's still unsearchable even in heaven." The glories of Christ, the beauty of Christ, because Christ is God. And so knowing who you are, knowing that you're completely clothed in righteousness, and that righteousness is God's righteousness, and you had nothing to do with it. I had nothing to do with it. I didn't work for it. I didn't earn it. It wasn't because I, uh, you know, it's nothing to do with me, nothing to do with you. He gave it to us by faith because of what Jesus did on the cross. That's good news, this is what gives you and I access to God's presence. If I don't know that, guilt and shame will keep me away. Condemnation will keep me away. If I mess up and I sin, then I can't approach you. So what are we going to do? You're going to try on your own strength. Well, I better live holy for a few days before I'm going to feel forgiven. Now you're relying on yourself. The Bible says confess your sins to God and He's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from what? All unrighteousness. So you have to know, be grounded. I can encourage you. If you even if you say, Leo, I, I, I think I'm, I'm young in this. I'm, I'm a baby in this. I need to learn. Then read the New Testament. Read Ephesians. Read Colossians. Read the Bible. Read Paul's Revelation, the Apostle Paul, Paul the Apostle. Um, get books or get tapes, uh, what do you call them, uh, CDs, YouTube, on identity. You see how old I was. Tapes. I used to use tapes. But get what it takes to get the Word in you. So I'm going to study righteousness. I'm going to study who I am in Christ. I'm going to get it in me. And other things is faith. I'm going to to run through it quicker. Faith. In other words, be set free from fear. And in other words, you hear God and you obey. Faith looks like obedience. Faith has to have actions for it to be alive. Faith without works is dead. Faith without actions is dead. So to me, it's like revelation and obey. You hear God and you obey. That's faith. This is the key, continual growth. Hear God, obey. Hear God, put it to practice. Hear God, do it. Hear God, put it into, put into, in your lifestyle. So hear Him. Out of relationship, obey. It's going to be constant faith. Because without, without faith, it's impossible to come to God. Every, every time you read the Bible, everything that people received, it was because they had faith. So faith is vital to walking this out. Repentance, right, It says, um, Acts chapter 3, verse 19, Repent ye therefore and be converted. It says, repent therefore and be converted so that your sins may be blotted out. There's that righteousness, complete sins blotted out. You've got righteousness of God. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. So how does the refreshing come from the presence of the Lord? How How does God refresh me? Actually, that word refresh means to breathe again, to catch your breath. So why are we not on fire or why do we get exhausted? Because we've run out of breath. God is the breath. His spirit means breath. When His breath breathes in you, you catch your breath and you're revived. But repentance comes first. Change your mind. Change your thinking. And be converted. The word converted means to return. Turn back. And in 2 Corinthians... I just want to show you here. It actually says, I'll just read it out, chapter 3, verse 16. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. It's talking about the, Moses' face shining because he went into the mountain and, and he spent time with God and his face shines so much glory that the children of Israel couldn't look upon Moses' face. So they put a veil over him. And then Paul says that the veil is still over the people's minds when they read the Old Testament. They, when they turn to the Lord, turning is repenting, they turn to the Lord, the veil's lifted. So repentance comes before you can see. Isn't that interesting? I thought you should be able to see first, and then you repent. Repentance comes from your spirit. So you repent in your heart. You, you say, Lord, I'm coming back to you. I make a decision to come back to you. As you do that repentance and change your direction and change your thinking, veil is lifted but guess what when your veil is lifted and you can see better you tend to want to repent more and when you repent guess what you get to see more again and then when you see more of God's glory you start to want to repent more repent is changing my thinking because the more I see his glory I'm transformed into the image of the glory of Jesus that I see in the mirror as I see him I want to repent when I repent I get to see him better it's a cycle it's connected but repentance starts first so chicken or the egg? It's, re- it's repentance first. It's definitely the chicken because God created everything. Eh? We all know that. And so the next one is, is, is renewing the mind, which is similar to what I just said there. But renewing the mind is vital. you got to renew your thinking. And you do this. You have the authority and the freedom to choose how much of your mind you want to be renewed. Give yourself 5% 5, uh, uh, percent of your effort, you'll get 5% back. You know, you read the Bible for five minutes, then you're going to get five minutes out of it. But if you say, that's it, I need my mind renewed. I'm going to get the Bible on audio. I want to listen to it all the time when I'm exercising, when I'm walking, when I'm, you know, when I'm. if, if, if you can work and listen, do it if you're allowed to. And if it doesn't affect your work, because you've got to work unto the Lord and work for your boss. But there are some jobs that you can actually, if you're a cleaner, you can probably hear the Word of God and still clean well. I do that around the house, mowing the lawn, cleaning grass, weeds, um, cleaning the house. I'm always putting the Word in, preaching all, all the Bible. But just all I'm saying is I want to renew my thinking. I want the truth to replace the lies in my mind. That's what renewing the mind is. So you tear down the wrong and put back in the right, the truth. That's vital. Humility. He gives grace to the humble. God gives grace to the humble. Humility is so powerful in the kingdom. Think about this. The angels, uh, uh, where where Rick Joyner had um, a visitation with angels up in the mountain of the Lord in that whole, you know, final quest book I was talking about. The angel said to him, the mantle of humility is the most powerful because it's the highest rank in heaven because that God gives grace to the humble. And the the grace of God is, um, uh, how do you say it? He said it in a way, it's... Um, it cannot be overcome by any forces of darkness. The grace of God is so powerful, eternally powerful, that nothing can affect it. So if we got the grace mantle, and apparently he had this armor of God on that was glistering with glory, and he couldn't see far. And he said to the angel, please help me. The angel was called Wisdom. Help me, what I can't see. And he, and he gave him the cloak. It looked really old, ruggedy rags, like a homeless gown. And he put it on, and he could see. And it was called Humility. It was ugly. Yes. And then when he walked in to the throne room, angels would bow. And he goes, what, what, are, what are they doing? Why are they bowing to me? He goes, they see the cloak. Cloaks are the highest rank in heaven. Humility is so powerful. Because without humility, what happens in this army and in this vision People that got proud, because when, when you get higher up in the mountain, you get greater revelation, they were the ones that could fall off the mountain and fall into pride. Because they started feeling, we're going to attack the enemy. They go attack the enemy, and their whole back was um, exposed. And the enemy attacked them with pride. And pride blinds you. They didn't even realize they were getting attacked. They didn't even feel it. But eventually they said, we don't need this sword, which is the word of the Lord. They dropped it. Oh, we don't even need this armor. We don't need this armor. Proud, pride. And that's how they fell. But humility keeps you hungry, keeps you, hum, keeps you thirsty. Humility comes first. If you don't have that cloak on, I'm telling you, put it on. The Bible says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. In due time, He will exalt you. But you do the humbling. You don't have to ask God to humble you, you humble yourself. Humble yourself. Wherever opportunity you can walk in humility, walk in it. If you're tempted to boast and and, and, and gloat and, and, and tell everybody about your greatness and all that, don't do it. If that's what you're doing, if it's to testify to give glory to God, absolutely do it. But humility is so powerful, guys. I can't explain it. Humility comes before honor, Proverbs says. And also, God resists the proud. Imagine, don't worry about the demons. Don't worry about them. Really, they're not even a part of it when you're in the realm of God. God Himself will resist you. You're never going to win that fight. So Lord, keep us humble. And the last, or the couple of more, hunger and thirst. Psalm 63. Let me finish with these. I just want to at least give them to you. Psalm 63 um, talks about My soul thirsts for you as a man or woman is in a dry and thirsty land. My soul thirsts for you. Imagine if you're in the desert for 20 days. I don't know if you've ever felt a thirst to the degree of not drinking for that long. And your mouth is so parched and your tongue is so dry and your body is about to drop dead. You're dehydrated. You don't know how good water is at that point. Surely when you've gone for a run in the heat or exercise or you've just worked really hard in a long day and you're just just so thirsty for drink, water, cold, crispy water, cold. Why aren't we thirsty? I'll tell you why. Because we we drink the contaminated filth of the world. You're drinking yucky water. It's it's contaminated, it's dirty and you drink and then you're not going to want the real water. If you drink junk food, Coke, Pepsi, and just bad commercial for them right now. If you drink all that all the time, you're not going to be thirsty for water. Because you're hydrated, but you're hydrated with the wrong stuff. Let's be thirsty for God as if we're in a dry land. And the last thing is, thank, being thank, this is how you enter. I'm giving you practical, reason, practical ways of entering. Thankfulness that turns into praise, that turns into worship. Thankfulness is enter, Psalms 100, enter His gates with thanksgiving. If you don't experience God's presence, start with thankfulness. You say, Lord, I thank you. Start with what's real to you. It could be anything. Whenever I do this, it's always different. I don't have a repetitious prayer. I don't have pray a certain way to get into God's presence. Imagine if I had a certain way to, to approach my wife. See, my wife, I'm in relationship with my wife and I love my wife. Imagine if I went to her every single day hello Christine George Nicotra it is Leo Nicotra approaching your presence and I use the same methodology all the time it would be ridiculous I don't do that with the father so I talked to him from my heart and it's relationship. And it might just be, thank you, Lord, for my health today. Thank you for my home. Thank you that i got a bed to sleep in. Thank you, Father, for the food we get to eat. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my children. Thank you for this. And I just start to thank as it comes, it flows. I start thanking for your prayer. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for your salvation. You set me free. Thank you, Lord. I was on my way to hell and you set me. I start thanking him. Whichever way it comes, thank you for this. You. And I'm entering into thankfulness. Thankfulness is powerful. And thankfulness gets me into His presence. That's how you should start in worship and praise and in your prayer time alone at home. And then you get into praise start to praise and then you get into deep worship. In the presence of God will just... Sydney is hungry for this. I'm telling you. We, we, God is bringing His ecclesia, His called out ones, His church back to Himself. Amen.